Hello and welcome to another episode of Two Player Bros. I'm Mike. And I'm Dave. That's right, Dave. Not Alex. Dave. Alex is gone. He's dead to us. I still love him. Yeah, I guess I do. Alex is taking a backseat to Two Player Bros. He's got way too much going on, I guess, in his uh his adult life and his building computers and his streaming game. So we'll probably still have him on every once in a while. He's building an awesome computer. He might still do the tech segments for us. Because I don't know really nothing about tech stuff. I usually go to him. Me neither. <laughs> uh, so he'll still have a presence. But I think now it's just uh, it's me and Dave. So Dave, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? No. No, I'm good. You're good? Let's talk about games. All right. All right. So Dave and I... <laughs> You're going to be a very interesting podcast personality. <laughs> <laughs> I told you, I'm not here to talk about me. I'm here to talk about games. So me and Dave recently went to, and by recently, I didn't mean just the other day, we're at PAX East up in Boston. What else would recently mean? I don't know. <laughs> so Dave and I were just at PAX East in Boston, uh, checking out all the different games they had on display. We went there for both Friday and Saturday shows. And uh, we checked out a couple of cool games, and that's what I think pretty much that's going to be the show today, is we're going to talk about what we saw, what we liked, what was really impressive, and what we're looking forward to. So anybody who doesn't know what PAX East is, uh, I guess it's, I guess, relatively new, or it's growing in popularity. It's basically kind of like, I guess it's not really a mini E3, but it's it's like a game showcase that really mostly showcases more independent games. But it's got some, some AAA games in there as well. It's a place where fans of video games and developers kind of meet and talk talk to each other, unlike kind of E3, which is, I think, now kind of getting there. But uh, this one's way more collaborative in terms of just the regular gamers and the developers kind of having like one-on-one -on -one chats and stuff like that, which I think is really cool. Yeah, I mean, typically E3 would be considered, you know, for the press, just announcements, a lot of stuff for retailers to know what to stock up for, you know, that coming holiday. PAX, I think, started in 2010. It's just indie games, a lot of tabletop games as well there. Yeah. Not just video games. And yeah, just a lot of small creators coming together to share their shit. This is true. And share their shit they did. So I think the first thing that I would like to mention is probably uh, I got my first chance to play Carry On, which I've been talking about a couple times in this podcast now by Devolver Entertainment or Devolver Digital. It was something I've been really excited to play. Obviously, I kind of knew what to expect in terms of gameplay and what it looked like. I think that's why it maybe not isn't my top pick for PAX East, because it was basically exactly what I thought it was going to be. I was a big slime monster, just eating people up and destroying things in a two-dimensional aliens-like kind of world. Uh, the one thing that my takeaway of it was it was way harder than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be I was a super monster. <laughs> effing everything up and eating so many people and i actually did not beat the demo because i got lost and gave up <laughs> and kind of let myself get killed i think the lack of a room map really really kind of hurt my gameplay experience i don't know if it comes in later on in the game but it's basically kind of metroidvania ish at least the levels kind of seem to be if there are levels or if it is one big open world and without a map i found myself going backwards all the time trying to figure out where that door i opened was <laughs> Now, the reason that you found it so hard, though, is it because they kind of just dropped you in in the middle of it? How I didn't play the demo. How much of a tutorial was there before you started uh, Not, getting shot at and burned and all that fun <laughs> stuff? There wasn't much of a tutorial, but I think I was 
if not at the beginning of the game, a decent part where I kind of learned the controls pretty quick. I know we had watched one person, we were waiting in line for that game and you kind of gave up waiting, went to another game. But that one person ahead of us really didn't know what he was doing. Well, yeah, that's why I was asking how much of a tutorial <laughs> there was because I didn't see you start to play. I just saw him and he seemed like he was struggling as well. So yeah, I didn't, I didn't struggle with the gameplay. I pretty much did it right off the bat. I actually watched every, everyone seemed to struggle to eat people that we saw online. And I learned pretty quickly that you slowly drag them in to an, a mouth that opens when you drag the people close, which I don't think anybody else realized. I think they thought you just had to hit them against your slime. That's how squids do it. <laughs> <laughs> and it was really the lack of world map. The, the, I guess the sameness of quite a few of the rooms and a door op- doors opening in these different rooms that weren't anywhere close to where you were. And just trying to figure out where was that room I had? I can't remember because it all looks the same. Do I go through this vent, that vent? I didn't know anymore. Now, were you getting bigger as you ate people or were, was there something like on the map that was making you expand? It seemed like as you ate people, you got a little bigger, but there were these moments, these nests that you created that if you came back to these nests, you became very large, quite large. Okay. Yeah. Cause I noticed I'd be watching and, the player was just a little baby squid. <laughs> and then next thing you know, he was this like giant mass. The next time I looked over at the screen. Yeah. Did that scale as you were playing or um, did it scale up and down as you were playing? Or was once you're one size, you're not going to get smaller again. No, you'll get smaller. The more you get hit, regardless of how big you get when you nest. Uh, okay. I don't know what the max size is. If that nest was the max size or if you can get that way just by eating. That was kind of unclear, but you definitely, no matter where, where you're at, the more you get hit, the smaller and little pea-sized, more pea-sized you get to the point where you, you just want to hide from everybody. Yeah, honestly, it didn't seem like something that I was really interested in. You know, I know it's kind of silly. I like playing as a human. <laughs> <laughs> the way the squid was moving around the map, he was kind of like fluid. It almost felt like you were controlling a puddle just based on what I was it, it looking is, at. It does kind of feel like that, yeah. And just like watching him slide into the cracks and then pop out and like expand and retract as he was going through. I don't know. There was something about it that made me think like, this isn't going to control like a game, like how I would want it to. Was the character like really floaty? Did it feel like you were ice skating while you were playing or how much direct control did you have over the character? You have all the control. He know he does not slide. Um, he does look like he's it'd be hard to control because it is kind of like you can go on walls and up wherever, but he does kind of control like exact like everything's with the left joystick for control. You use the right joystick to use your arms to grab people mm-hmm. and you just use that to aim and then right trigger to grab and hold them. And I thought it was very intuitive. Like, that's why I didn't understand why other people didn't. I think other people expected it to be a little more difficult. So they I feel like wanted it to be difficult in the way they were controlling him. But no, I had no problem. He didn't feel he didn't feel floaty. He felt like he had some weight on him. Obviously, when he gets big, the bigger he gets, the slower he gets. And when you're tiny, you're a little quick, but you're never so fast or so light that you feel like I know you have an issue with the floatiness. It, it still might be a little too floaty for you because it's not footsteps. You don't have a cadence, but I never felt like I was sliding on ice. I never felt like that. Yeah. In the in the modern generation of games, as far as I'm concerned, when your character steps, he needs to have a weight to them. Otherwise, it just feels awkward and, and archaic. Um, what kind of enemies were you fighting? I saw flamethrowers. <laughs> what else was going on over there? I fought some flamethrower dudes, very classic aliens. And like I, my slime puddle screamed like it was <laughs> an alien from aliens. Uh, just regular scientists and stuff that have pistols, a couple of army guys with machine guns. And uh, there were some turrets that had some spiky shields 
that made it hard to touch him. And there was a the thing that got me at the end that I kind of let kill me was a uh, Walter where I was just like, I, I give up. Oh, I was there at the end. I, I thought you got killed by uh, a flamethrower. I thought you went down in the blaze of glory. I guess not. <laughs> no, I, I went into the next room and then I just let the turret got me once I was really tiny. Gotcha. But yeah, carrying looks really fun. I'll definitely be getting it. I, I sound like I wasn't as impressed as I was. It, the lack of the room map really kind of took away from me, but it was exactly the game I thought it was going to be. I'm still really excited to play it. I just, because I think I expected it, I wasn't, it's not my top game. Yeah. It had a really cool art style. Everything looked really cool. Um, I guess kind of like Super Nintendo-ish. Yes. It definitely looks like a Super Nintendo type. Like it seemed like platform. straight out of like a Metroid style game in that sense as well. And the, the music on it was bumping. Yeah, it's got I, really, I really love the yeah. sound as, uh, as I was watching you guys play. It's got really good sound and really good music. Yeah. And then not to ruin your clothes on it, but um, <laughs> the last thing I wanted to ask, I noticed there were like toxic clouds. Did those have any effect or was that just like aesthetic? I think that was just aesthetic. Okay. At least it didn't kill me. It might've killed humans. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's carrying by developer uh, digital, which is really good. The release date is still hidden in the demo. Actually, if you try to get to beat it, there's another room where it says, Carry on release date and it's blocked by uh, unbe- unbreakable boxes. So you still can't see when it comes out, but I believe they still plan for 2020. Cool. Yeah. What do you got, Dave? Oh uh, yeah. So while you were playing carry on, I played uh, a game called disc room because there was no line and it was right <laughs> next to your station and disc room. Honestly, I, I hate to spoil it, but it was probably my favorite game that I played. Whoa. At PAX. Uh, like I said, it, it was also from devolver digital. They published it it's actually being developed by just a team of four people. I couldn't find much information on them. I was trying to figure out who these guys were, <laughs> um, but they are, they were members of the development on enter the Gungeon and okay. uh, gang beasts, both of which are really fun games. I'm sure you've played both of them or. Yeah, definitely enter the Gungeon. Yeah. It was, it was really cool. So I guess the concept behind the game and the story behind the game is it's in the future. I think it was like 2800 or something and a giant disc appears around Jupiter and it's your job to go and explore it and see what the hell's going on. You get there, you go in and it's full of saw blades (laughs) (laughs) and it's just this really cool game. It's a roguelike. It almost looked like something you'd see in the newspaper comic, but also kind of like flash gamey as far as the art style goes. Okay. Um, And yeah, so you're basically in a room and saw blades are spawning in from the center of the room. You're just trying to avoid them. And the longer you last in that room, the more blades keep spawning in and the blades don't go away. Once they're there, they're there. So eventually you're running through this room that has, you know, 50 saw blades spinning around and you're looking for like all these tiny little avenues to navigate through them. I think I said it's like a Zelda style dungeon map where once you complete one room, you can move on to the next. Um, there's like a boss room somewhere on the map. Yeah. From what I, I saw that, that's what I was, was going to ask you. It looks like it was a bunch of level selects, but these were just rooms that you were going into. So those were all just rooms on like a, in like a Zelda style dungeon. Yeah. So once you completed one room or not once you completed it, but once you did enough challenges in one room, you'd be able to move on to the next one. Okay. And you were kind of opening up like these, these branching hallways throughout the, uh, this giant disc place that you're in and the challenges were all time-based or were there different they, challenges? They were all different things. Um, some of them were just like survive for a certain amount of time in a room. Some of them were even get killed by a certain number of blades in that room, like <laughs> different types of blades. 
So maybe a certain room will have like six different saw blades and your challenge is to get killed by all six of them to unlock the next room. And I don't remember any other challenges off the top of my head, but there were, you know, probably three or four challenges per room while I was in there. And were there any power-ups that you could get? There were. That's actually something that's cool is power-ups aren't spawning in. You're not collecting them in that way. But when you get killed by certain blades, you collect their power in that way. Like, So there's one blade that starts really slow and then kind of like dashes out real quick and like juts across the screen. Once you get killed by that, you get a dash ability. So you can actually use that same kind of momentum. Um, so you press A to dash and just like get a brief invulnerability frame where you can like slide through saws and stuff. Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And there, I guess there's a couple, the only one I got in the demo was the, uh, was the dash, but I guess there's also like a time stop and uh, you can clone yourself. Apparently I didn't get to see any of that in the demo, but sounds pretty cool. So theoretically <laughs> you clone yourself, you control multiple people. And as long as one of you survive, you're all right. You know, I, I don't know. I just read that they include it. So I don't want to, I don't want to talk out of turn here and say you're controlling more <laughs> than one. Uh, maybe it's like a super time force style thing where, cause the blades do seem like they're sort of trying to, move in your direction they are out to get you okay um they need to like bounce off walls if they miss you so it does kind of get like real jumbled up but it seems like when they spawn in they were always veering towards me okay i was gonna ask that if they were just bouncing up and down or if they literally look for you it seemed like they want they were being forced to stick to their trajectory mm -hmm. but you could tell that they they, they, they wanted you. Wanted you. <laughs> they were after me, man. And there was a boss fight in the demo as well, which I thought was cool. And it's like I was describing where blades are spawning in. But in this case, there were little points on the map that you had to get to. So you had to weave your way through the blades for specific points. Once you hit that point, you would like drop a bomb on the giant saw blade in the center of the room that was trying to get you. Well, that sounds pretty cool. So it, that's a lot more complicated than that looked like. From the, when I looked over at you while I was playing, it just looked like, because you were at the place right next to me, it just looked like you pick a level and those certain saws you avoid and you're good. I didn't realize, you know, the power-ups and the different boss fights and stuff. That is, mm -hmm. sounds like a really fun game. It was. Uh, one thing that sucks is it looks like it's Steam only right now. And it seems like a game that I would really, really like to be playing on the Switch. It does like a handheld portable one. Yeah. Any, any roguelike is just perfect for the Switch on the train, you know. That seems like a lot of the um, games at PAX, though. A lot of them were more Steam-focused, mm -hmm. which I guess is just easier for indie developers to just do a lot of Steam stuff. Yes, sir. But, you know, if it does well on Steam, it's always a good sign for it maybe to come on consoles afterwards. <laughs> so another game that I wanted to talk about, because uh, I did talk to the... You and I both talked to developers for a, a good amount of time, was uh, the game Brigador. Sure. Uh, I thought that was a really good game. Uh, obviously we, we walked by at our second day. We didn't even realize that that game was going on <laughs> because it was in the indie mega booth and we had missed that aisle. Two people were playing this game with some humanoid looking turret mech walking around, destroying everything in a game that looked, if I had to describe it like a civilizations or a Diablo style, top down kind of isometric drawn game. Sure. Yeah, I guess so. Let's have to describe that art style. <laughs> uh, the developers pointed us in the direction of a free computer where I guess it wasn't the sequel, which was what they were showing off, but the original game, uh, Brigador, I played as a tower of three cars with turrets on it, and I just decimated this, I guess, drug farm. Good for you. Yeah, I had lasers on my car. I had chemical bombs. 
the environments were 100% destructible, which I thought was really cool. Uh, I moved exactly how I thought a tower of three cards should should move, <laughs> which is slow and sluggish. But uh, every every little NPC was scared the hell out of me. So I mean that was that was pretty fun. <laughs> they they ran, I was destroying buildings, blowing up grass and trees and fences. You know what was cool was I destroyed a mansion, and only half of it got destroyed and it showed the rubble, but the other half of the building was still standing. So it's not like they went cheap and went all right. You hit a building, we'll blow that building up. Now, what was your objective in the game? Because I didn't play. I just watched someone else play the you watched the new the version sequel, yeah. i didn't see what you were playing in the one that i saw it was like a guy he almost looked like ultraman he didn't look like cars he was just like a straight robot right like a big mech guy there were different choices so my choice of a tower of cars was something i chose there was a big mech guy there was a tiny hover car and there was a tiny little two-footer robot and i'm not sure if the mission cha- changed depending on what what you chose for the demo that i played basically the mission was to destroy these targets which i didn't even know at first at first i was just killing everything and then i noticed these flashing red things on the side of my screen and i had to go kill these different people i guess they were evil scientists or maybe i was the evil person and i was killing good scientists i don't know but those people had to go dave that's all i know so i killed those people and basically it was move on to the next checkpoint and i could do as much damage as i wanted it was a very simple premise but it worked and i liked it um they have their uh Brigador Up Armored Edition on sale for 20 bucks right now on Steam. And it's got the game. It's got, I guess, uh soundtrack, a whole bunch of different DLCs. And the big thing that they wanted to stress to me was their audiobook. Apparently, they love their audiobook. It was an awesome audiobook. If you buy it on Steam, it comes with the audiobook. If you buy the uh Brigador Complete Collection bundle, you get it, which is, I'm sorry, that is $29.64. The game itself is uh $19.99, but the collection is 34 percent off right now but they were they were really big on that audiobook so apparently it's really good <laughs> so i guess it's an eight hour long audiobook explaining the lore of the of the game well you know you must have really liked it if you're plugging their audiobook so hard. Yeah, they really they really seem to really love that audiobook <laughs> it, was, it was cool to see how passionate the two guys were at the booth about the game of all the games that we saw those guys were like the most you need to try this let me tell you about this. Yeah. Without you know. being like overly annoying about it. They were pretty passionate about that audiobook. Mike. <laughs> they were really big on that audiobook. I would agree. But they they definitely weren't just like, look at our game. Look at it. Look at it. They really just told you about the game. Now, of everything we played there, you that was the only time where one of us was playing where the developer or the the representative, I don't know if he was a developer, but the guy was there right at your side talking to you oh, while you were time, playing. Yeah. Now, every other game I played, it was always kind of they hands off. Hey, here's our game. This is what it's about. Enjoy. Yeah. If you got stuck or something, they'd come up to you and mention something. But no, yeah, that guy was right next to me the whole time. As a pro gamer, I never got stuck. Um, <laughs> but So I didn't see that at all. But yeah, this guy, he seemed like he was just telling you all about like the lore and everything. Is that what was going on? <laughs> um, not so much about the lore, but about what I was supposed to be doing. What was different in the sequel? How much progress they were making on that? What was so great about the original the destructible environments, you know, the different weapons you can get, the different mechs you can have. That their other thing was on Steam about, you know, I, I mentioned that everybody we went to was like, add it to your wish list on Steam, add it to your wish list. So I was like, why do you guys like, I mean, I get it. You want me to buy it, but like, you guys are really pushing that. You guys are really hard for that wish list. <laughs> and he mentioned that Steam is weird and that that's kind of how they get on their algorithm, basically. It's like the Instagram feed. That's how you get on the top of people's list. The more you wish list, the more people are more steam is likely to put out ads and stuff for your game. 
So that's why everybody wanted to wishlist the game. But it was really fun. It, I, I would be excited to play the sequel. The sequel looks like it's got bigger and better, more things, way more mechs, way more missions, and uh, a much bigger variety of, of what's going on. As far as I know, it's only available on Steam when it comes out, but I look forward to that. And that's Brigador 2, but Brigador 1 is available. And uh, if you want to check that out, check that out. Cool. Why don't we talk about the coolest game I played? Not my favorite, but definitely the coolest game I played. Dunk Lords. I thought you were going to say Chipmunks. Chipmunks? <laughs> fine, we'll give a quick shout out to Chipmunks <laughs> while we're here. It was just Chipmunk. It wasn't Chipmunks. Oh, that's true. Okay. It was just like a pixel art beat em up that we played. Um, you don't know this, but the booth we were at for that game was actually uh, a booth from Becker College. And that was a game developed by a college student, that person we were talking to. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And I guess throughout the weekend, they had um, a bunch of different games cycling through there. But when we were there, Chipmunk. We were lucky enough to hit Chipmunk. We were we were truly blessed. I, I, that was the first game we played at PAX. <laughs> it was. Yeah. We walked in. He's like, try our game. <laughs> we were like, all right. Yeah. So here we go. And uh, we played as two Chipmunks. Yes. Fighting squirrels and mice and... Uh, various rodents yes <laughs> they were all dressed up in like medieval medieval garb, medieval garb yeah <laughs> uh the mice were just adorable in their little like hoods and the dagger on their belt my chipmunk looked a little too much like those mice <laughs> so <laughs> as with all good beat-em-ups you can beat up your friend <laughs> i may have knocked mike around a little bit <laughs> You mostly unintentional because his chipmunk was gray, the same color as most of the enemies were fighting, which is probably not the best design choice. But also he kept trying to beat up these adorable little mice. So someone had to stand up. Those mice had to go. They were trying to jump us, Dave. They had knives. You were fighting them. Yeah, I don't know why I was fighting them either. <laughs> that was needlessly violent. Uh, I thought the power ups were really fun. I enjoyed the power ups. I still don't understand it. I know every time I used my power up, um, you'd collect mushrooms across the map as you were moving through the stage. And eventually you had enough of them. You could press Y or B or whatever it was. It was on an Xbox controller. When I would press it, some giant scarab beetles would roll across the map. You had some dung beetles. Yeah. It didn't even seem like they were hurting people as they were rolling across. But when you would do it, fish and whales would just rain from the sky. So if you you collected, the more you collected, the uh, collected up to three mushrooms. And if you did one, it would be like tuna fish would rain from the sky. And if you did all three, your third power up would be just giant humpback whale just came down and smashed the level in a game about chipmunks. There was a humpback whale. Yeah. I can't explain it. That's about all the love chipmunk deserves. <laughs> so let's move on to Dunk Lord. Dunk, Dunk Lords. Lords. <laughs> uh, so Dunk Lords was developed by Story Fort LLC. This is their first game from what I saw, but the lead on it. His name is uh, Andy Hull, and he was actually one of the project leads on Spelunky, which is a game that I really love. Spelunky is really cool. But this game is nothing like Spelunky. This is a arcade basketball game. It's kind of like NBA Jam meets Space Jam meets Double Dragon. Mm. Give it to me. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so it's, you know, picture NBA Jam. Now put yourself into all these like cool locations. Like uh, there was the inside of a factory. I saw like volcanic aftermath. Um, I saw like a tropical paradise kind of area. So now you're playing NBA jam 
on a tropical island. That's where we are right now. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, I'm on that tropical island. Now add a bunch of really silly stuff to it with power-ups. Like uh, one of the characters you were playing as was a strawberry. I love that guy. He would just suddenly drop a jar of jelly on the map for some reason. I don't really know what's happening. To jam them up, Dave. (laughs) To jam them up, of course, Mike. (laughs) Um, You can like spawn in like a big ball and roll across the map on it. So yeah, it just reminded me of Space Jam when like the uh, the Toon Squad is like going across the court in like a like a little postal jeep. Yep. <laughs> um, just like silly things like that. No, I really liked it. I thought it was a really fun game. I enjoy. I like. I really enjoyed the fact that near the net there were the. At least in our game, I think there were four or five squares and each square gave you something else. Like there were two dollar signs to give you extra money because after each quarter you can buy different Uh, items. Yeah, upgrades, which unbeknownst to us, you share with your teammate because it's two (laughs) v two. And I bought these useless gloves and spent all of our money on the first quarter. You did. Um, And yeah, that's where the double dragons esque thing comes in, too. We forgot to mention. Um, You can really just beat the crap out of the other team. When you try to like block a shot, you just uppercut them. There's an uppercut right button in the basketball game. <laughs> so it's, it's almost like a beat em up basketball game. And uh, some of the upgrades you can get improve your sprint speed. Some of them improve your uppercuts. What was it? There was boots, gloves. And what was the third slot? Mm. Was it just like your jersey or something? I want to say it was like your chest or your jersey. Yeah, like your armor. Yeah. Um. So one of them might be when you uppercut you actually create a little tornado that can do an area effect attack around you as you're, as you're fighting or as you're playing basketball. But, (laughs) and yeah, that was probably the, that was probably the coolest game I played. That's the one I was most excited for going in. Yep. And I, I don't think it failed to, uh, to disappoint me while we're there. No, I mean, while you played it, you kind of, if you looked up anything about it while you, before you go in, or even if you told me about it going in, it's exactly what, is what's described it's it's the game that they show Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely it plays really fun it plays really well it's really funny it's only it's made by three guys apparently according to them anyway when we were there which Mm. is impressive i know one of them his name is andy holt (laughs) (laughs) and i mean we just sat down with two other just strangers just playing the game and it was just like we we knew what we were doing yep i mean we lost but we did we we gave it a good try it was my fault (laughs) I picked a, a bad character. I picked this, that big like Bulgarian bo- bodybuilder was my character with a monkey on his back. And he was very slow. I, I might've been sprinting too much because my character was constantly exhausted. Oh, I had he no couldn't energy. keep up. He, every time I tried to uppercut, he would just kind of like lackadaisically <laughs> flop around. <laughs> so we just played arcade mode, but apparently there is a story mode. Mm-hmm. I saw that today when I was looking into it. I think two up to two players can play the co-op. Story mode, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. So I don't know the details or how many levels that is or anything, but it's just a a guy trying to rise above everyone else and become the new Dunk Lord. And one thing that kind of stunk when I looked at it is there's actually not going to be any online play at launch. They're hoping to add it later, but it's not going to be there to start. I mean, it does kind of suck, but it it is very much like an old school, like couch co-op game. Mm -hmm. So it's something that you want to be with your friends while you play. Although if you want to get that second, you know, two people and it's just you and one of the guy, then you can't go online. You're going to play against bots. But I still thought it was fun for what it was. And I I do hope they add online play. Now, I know they're coming out for Steam because obviously they had the Steam beta prize. Do they have any plans? Did you read about uh, console plans at all? 
everything I saw said Steam. I didn't see see anything saying what consoles it was coming to now. That's so, too bad. This is a very much a console type game. Yeah. I don't quote me on that because I didn't actually look specifically for that. But I Dave, this is a podcast. I'm quoting you on everything. <laughs> Semantics. I'm not saying another word until you promise not to quote me on that. <laughs> I promise not to quote you on that. <laughs> you either, audience. <laughs> All right. What else you got, Mike? Well, one game that we played that I was very excited about was Maneater by Tripwire. Uh, the developer Tripwire, which, you know, I knew what the game was going to be like going into it. It was going to be you were a giant shark and you were eating people. And it was exactly what I wanted. I thought the controls were pretty tight. I thought eating the fish and eating the people, jumping up on the beach was really fun. Uh, I thought the style of the game was really neat. So I, I had a lot of fun with that. I know you're not so big on uh, the Z axis, adding that that fourth dimension of movement. I told you earlier in the podcast, Things deserve Mike, to be on land. <laughs> I want to be a human. <laughs> I did not enjoy being a shark. Unfortunately, they're billing it as Grand Theft Auto meets Jaws. I don't know why they're billing it. as. And Grand I don't Theft Auto. really get it either. No, I think it's more like Echo on crack, but that's that's kind of mine. It's it's more echoey in that you're under the water. You're completing these objectives with sea life and avenging your family, which is very much Echo story, but in a not peaceful way. <laughs> but I, I like the style of it. I like that the ridiculousness of the shark, you know, it is kind of like Jaws, but it's more also like Sharknado in terms of like he flops up on land and starts eating people. Mm -hmm. And it's just really fun to control the shark and, and make these eat, do something different, you know, not be a person. I want to be a person. Or a 2D game. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, it's definitely different. I'll agree with you there. Um, it's one of, only three or four games that I could think of off the top of my head where I've been a fish, <laughs> but I don't know. I just, I, I get that I'm in the water, so there's not going to be a weight to my character, but it just, I just never feels right. Swimming, swimming levels in games are always the worst. And that even goes when you're a fish, like <laughs> just wasn't for me, unfortunately attacking people felt awkward. Attacking the boats felt super awkward. I didn't know what I was doing. I was just tapping right trigger and my shark was thrashing into boats and they were exploding, but it felt like I wasn't doing it right. You were not doing it right. <laughs> so what should I have been doing? You should have been tail whipping it with LB or jumping on, jumping over the boat with your rush attack. And as soon as you got into position, as soon as it aimed over a human pressing that, that eat button, and then you would drag that person, a uh, person under the water from the boat. Which well, I thought was really fun. That's the thing, too. They were talking about how when you were eating someone, you needed to thrash with the joystick. Mm -hmm. I never felt the need to do that. Like everything I tried to eat got ate. Um, <laughs> well, we were kind of in the beginning stages of the level. I did eat a giant marlin, I believe, that did put up a little bit of a fight. But yeah, most of the things just kind of let me eat them for the most part at that point. But I, I imagine the game gets harder and harder. I know it's going to be an open world game where you can go into sections that are meant for, you know, level 10 sharks and you can be a level two shark and, and get the crappy idea. I know you can go pretty deep underwater and fight like uh, giant squids, stuff like that. And eventually your shark becomes the megalodon, basically. And basically this legendary shark that the main human character, the bad guy, the villain, this uh, New Orleans, you know, Cajun hunter guy really wants to uh, kill the shark that his daddy hunted so many years ago. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I got um, a Frisbee. <laughs> you did? <laughs> uh, 
if I want to be a fish, I'll probably stick to like feeding frenzy or something. But yeah, I, I hate to be a bummer on it, but it just wasn't for me. I'm sorry, Diff. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. You want to talk about how every game was a top down uh, <laughs> click and move type game like Diablo, how every game was that? Wasteland, Desperado, the 1941 game. <laughs> How dare you compare those <laughs> games to Diablo? <laughs> I just went in the way they control. I, I don't remember. I don't know what to call those games. That's just point and click. Point and click games. <laughs> There's just so many point and click games. There were, but none of them played like Diablo that we no, played. They all played like but they all played Wasteland. Like, and... They did all play like each other. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, we played. What was the the 1941 game called again? I feel like it was called Paladins. Partisans. Partisans 1941. That was the name of it. So there was that game, which was not, it was okay. Yeah. In that game, we were trying to escape from like a concentration camp or some sort of prison camp. Maybe you were. Oh, that's right. I played the stealth version of it. Right. You played the action, quote unquote, action version of it, which was really just the first level, which was really just an introduction of the game. (laughs) So what were you doing on your half of the game then? I was three different characters, one a young kid, one a soldier, and one that looked like a retired soldier. I was in a house. We had killed two guards who had come up to us, two Nazis who had came to investigate where we were at. And we murdered them, took their guns, and we were trying to escape um, to a village to go defend a village. On the way, we had to take cover positions and kill Nazis patrolling these different towns and farms and try to save the different villagers as we went. Part of what I liked about it was it was a little bit more tactical than some of the other point and clicks. It was more like finding cover, which kind of reminded me of Full Spectrum Warrior because you controlled your first guy. You hit like the one key because it was on the computer and then you went to cover. Second key, you got flanked the guy from the other side and then try to get your third guy out of harm's way in time while controlling an inventory management system that was akin to like Diablo or Vampire where it was like you had the blocks, the grid system. So like a rifle is worth like eight grids and bullets are worth two and health packs worth one. Mm -hmm. I like managing that. So in that case, it was interesting, but I felt like it was very slow. Everybody moved very slow and the maps were too large. Walking down the road was just like a a, a big slog. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So in my half of the game, I played the stealth version of it. I was at a prison camp and I had killed the guard that was, you know, with me and I was just trying to break out. And it was just a lot of like sneaking into bushes and staying out of like the cone of vision of the, uh, the patrols. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I like threw some rocks to distract guards, like that kind of stuff. Um, you could break necks or have to hide the bodies. I think I had a throwing Ooh. throwing knife was actually the other game, right? Throwing knife was desperado. You had yeah. throwing knife. Honestly, I kind of walked away from partisans before I finished escaping. I was just kind of over it. I did the same. I didn't beat my demo that. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't really. It was a little slower. I think um, very, very, very slow for me. I wish I, I wish I picked the action side just to see what was going on over there. But for the stealth, it was slow. Very like your character walks. He doesn't even run. It's so the it's, same way in mind. Yeah. <laughs> on the other opposite side, I had a lot of fun with Desperado Three. After playing Partisans, I didn't think I would like Desperados, but Desperados was a lot of fun. I thought it was a little quicker. I thought the stealth worked. The graphics were a little more improved, but Desperados has, I think, a higher production budget to begin with. Mm-hmm. But I thought Desperados, which is a Western-themed point-and-click, was a, a decent time. I'd be interested to see if that comes to Xbox Game Pass or PlayStation Plus or Game of the Month or some point at some point, because I thought that was a lot of fun. 
it was I enjoyed that one more than I enjoyed uh, Partisans. It still felt really slow. Um, I think you're just going to get that from a lot of the point and clicks like that. Yeah. Yeah. They're just not my cup of tea. They're usually not. I want to try one because I, I don't think I've ever really played one all the way through or even mm-hmm. maybe owned my own version. Now, I've only played XCOM on console, but I assume that's point and click and that's kind of slower. No, it's a bad comparison. That's like a grid tactical RPG. Yeah, yeah it's a little different. Yeah, it's. I know Wasteland's coming out for uh, is going to be on Game Pass when that comes out. Wasteland 3. And I believe the original is already on there. I think so. So maybe I'll give those a try and then base my opinion off of that. Well, on, on Xbox, those I assume won't be point and click. They'll probably go straight for like dual stick controls movements. Yeah. The Baldur's Gate game, we didn't really get to see any of. It wasn't a really cool castle. There was a big castle right on the show floor. Yeah. But it was not w- worth waiting in line to watch somebody. You would wait in line to watch somebody play the game in the castle, basically. Yeah. Was there a developer in there? There's a developer playing the game for you, and you just watch the developer play mm-hmm. the game. From what I hear, it was a cool presentation, though. I mean, that's cool. I just, if I'm going to stand in line for that long, I, I should have been, hand, you should be hands on, in my opinion. Sure. But, you know. Yeah. I mean, my goal going to PAX was to wait in as few lines as possible. I just wanted to play all the smaller games, you know, and especially, you're right, for to just watch something. It wasn't worth it. No. Neither of us have much experience with Baldur's Gate. Um, he doesn't remember killing rats in a basement. I remember, and I think I have the same memory. <laughs> I remember killing rats in a basement. And I remember way too many places to put skill points. I remember creating the character. You had like your charisma and your dexterity and all your normal RPG stats. Mm-hmm. But then there were like 50 more, you know, Ugh, it's, it's too much. <laughs> well, you know, Baldur's Gate is based in the Dungeons and Dragons, Dungeons and Dragons universe. Yeah. So you're going to get a lot of that kind of stuff from it. I'll probably check Baldur's Gate three out i don't expect to love it um i couldn't get into divinity original sin that's the game that larry and studios put out previously Uh, i've heard good things about it i've been interested to dip my toes in that i couldn't get into it um so i probably won't be able to get into this either but it does sound really impressive Mm -hmm. and it's worth checking out um i i read something this afternoon about how every choice you make won't be forgotten as the game goes on. That's what I, that's what um, I had read as well. That's what interested me in the game. I, I, cause you know, you and I both love mass effect and the story aspect of it was really what interested me about Baldur's gate. Mm, yeah. I, so I don't know if that means anything like the nemesis system from, uh, from Lord of the Rings or anything like that, but it sounds interesting. I'd be into that. And the graphics look very, very good. Yeah. It's gorgeous. Yeah. So, no, hope to see more. Hopefully there'll be a demo or some sort. Um, but I think, uh, I mean, I think it's time to talk about at least what was my favorite game, the game that actually really surprised me as my number one game of PAX that I think you also had some fun with because we played it twice. I did. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was uh, Chivalry 2. Yeah, Chivalry 2. So this is the sequel to a game that's, I guess, semi-realistic first-person medieval battle simulator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you hadn't played the original either, right? I don't either no, I game. had just watched videos of it, and it just always looked a little janky to me. Well, I did not know this at the time, but today when I was looking at it, um, apparently the original Chivalry was developed off of a Half-Life 2 mod called the Age of Chivalry. So it actually started as a mod, so that kind of explains the 
not so great production the quality. jankiness yep. yeah <laughs> uh yeah it just seemed a little like too loose for me to to not all there not maybe refined, optimized, or refined or optimized <laughs> so i never really want i i wanted to play it but i didn't want to play it because i knew i'd probably be a little disappointed in it but chivalry 2 did not disappoint the sound, the graphics, the ability, the way you fight is just really, really interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, the characters all have different armor sets. You basically, we play at a level where you're just charging a castle or defending the castle if you're on the other team. Yeah. So from what I understand, the entire game, it's online multiplayer only. There is no story mode from what I was reading. Um, the demo we played was what 16 on 16 16 on 16 a 32 player battle yep yep but the finished game is going to be 32 on 32 which will be nuts because 16 on 16 was actually pretty exciting and pretty crazy yeah yeah there were plenty of people around um but it's like an asymmetrical objective based game um in the level we played we were literally just walking a very straight line trying to force our way into the castle to destroy like trebuchets and banners and basically storm the yeah, yeah we were just, just take over the castle. Test yeah. castle yeah um so one team is trying to defend their castle um there are some like fortifications set up to help keep us out but it's basic things like spike walls and stuff like that oh yeah and uh yeah you just advanced your way through um there were tons and tons of weapons is what i was surprised by um as far as like swords and maces and axes pikes and pole arms like everything yep that you could choose from and they all felt really good i don't know how many you played around with i know on the first try you didn't know how to change your class yeah i didn't know how to change my class the first time i was just the knight with the broadsword or the greatsword rather and um you could throw it like a spear at one point which is ridiculous that sword probably weighed 80 pounds yeah any, any weapon uh, but you, you would holding. take out a little tiny um a tinier rapier i think so yep yeah any any weapon you were holding you could throw with the with the y button on controller on the xbox controller which the controller and felt really good for a computer game that's mostly computer like i was surprised how well everything controlled and how much i was able to keep up with a lot of the computer players mm-hmm. using the the mouse or using the controller rather yeah, and the the characters had a really great weight to them when you were walking. Like you can feel that little bit of thud. You felt like you were a guy, but you didn't feel like you were super weighed down by the armor. You still were nice and mobile. Yeah, um, but you could tell that your character had some stuff was, going on. Was a force. <laughs> yeah, when you swung the greatsword, I mean, it oof, swung and it when it would chop off arms and heads. This is definitely a a violent game. Uh, I enjoyed the night with the shield was interesting because it would require, you know, blocking and parrying, you know, you'd have to block all your shots. You turned around where you switched your sword is where you'd hit. So you'd want to hit aim high. If your character didn't have a helmet that you were attacking or you could knock it off or just go for his arms and chop off his arm or his leg. Some characters would have a helmet, but lower body chest armor. So you would go for stabs in between. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the combat system immensely. And I had a lot of fun trying to hone it in and learn where to, where to hit people. Yep. Yeah, so each each class that you could pick was armored differently, like a varying levels. And yeah, like you said, there was what was there? There was a block, there was a parry, there was a kick, there was a special, which in my the broadside guy's point was just a really big lunge, a swing. Now, what happened when you pressed uh, LB on the controller? My character kept like spinning his axe in his hand. And I wasn't really sure why he was doing it or what I can get out of it. Oh, so for both the sword, both my sword and shield character and the great sword character, that was a stab. That was a forward attack. Now, see, if I held it, I could do like a heavy charge. Maybe it would count as a lunge. But 
he would literally just spin it in his hand. Like he was just kind of like showing off with it. If he just tapped LB for some reason. Oh, well, maybe your guy least, was a show off. <laughs> it's true. It could be. <laughs> <laughs> I did it. Did you notice all the different charge uh, motions you could do? Mm-hmm. I thought that was a little ridiculous, but kind of fun. Yeah, no, I loved it. Um, how about you just tell me like a cool moment that happened while you were playing? Kind of describe the combat to someone. So in probably my favorite moment was the, probably the best I did in the game <laughs> where I was nearly dead from getting smacked around a bunch. I actually got saved uh, by a guy. I got knocked down. I was jump. I was just punching a guy in the back of the legs. A knight came in, beheaded him, picked me up, you know, normal, like you normally do in a team-based first-person shooter. And I went to go to a trebuchet. I was backed up against a trebuchet and all these arrow guys and knights started coming at me. So I started swinging my greatsword back and forth. And my first attack got one guy across the midsection, chopped him in half. I got hit it from behind. I swung around knowing that the guy was going to be behind me. So as I spun my character around, his axe, his sword was also going around. So I ended up taking his head off, <laughs> stabbed the next guy in the chest. And then the next guy came up with me and I hit his arm enough times to chop his arm off and he fell to the ground. And the next guy coming at me was a pikeman. And I lunged a little bit to the side and stabbed him at the exact same time that I got beheaded from behind. So I ended up killing like five guys in this just massive bloody attack, chopping <laughs> off limbs and basically doing my last stand against a trebuchet. <laughs> and that's when I realized that, you know, I, I really, really enjoyed that game. Yeah. Yeah. That being said, if this is all there is to it, I would still get it and I would still play the hell out of it. But I imagine they'd add, you know, more and more levels. And I'd have to imagine there's got to be some kind of customization, something that keeps you playing and want to upgrade your guy somehow. But at least as far as I know, I didn't read anything about that. Me me neither. Um, I know something that wasn't in the demo that they have listed on their website is there will be mounted combat in the full game. I did game. see that. Yeah. So that's kind of cool. I don't like playing as animals, so hopefully I enjoy riding a horse. I don't usually like riding a horse in games. I usually like riding a horse in games, but I don't usually like when my horse gets injured or dies. <laughs> I'm the guy who would restart Red Dead Redemption 2 if uh, my horse, which I named Moon, ever got injured or, or killed. Like if I accidentally went off a mountain, I would immediately turn off my Xbox so it wouldn't auto save and come back because <laughs> you ain't getting my horse. <laughs> and uh, yeah, just that just game just seemed like a really good time. It was. It was a lot of fun. It was really surprising. You know, I just thought, you know, let's go. It looks like there's a lot of PlayStation set up. Let's go play this game, check it out. And it ended up being, you know, there's a great thing, time thing we went there because I would never have picked this game up otherwise if we didn't go to PAX and I had a chance to play it like that. Yeah. One thing that does kind of stink about it. Chivalry one was for Xbox and PS4. It seems like the sequel is only coming out on PC to start uh, on the Epic Game Store. So it's exclusive to that to start. Hopefully it does well and they decide to add a console port because typically that's where I prefer to play my games. Yeah. I think we both do. Mm -hmm. I mean, we both have PC so we can still play it and the controller support worked pretty well. And like you said, maybe that's because, because you had looked up earlier that it was on Xbox at one point and they took it away for low player count. Yeah. And that a game that's more polished like this might have a better chance. Yeah. And they, they delisted chivalry one because of the low player count. They couldn't fill their games, but that was, I, I, don't quote me on this. Uh, I think there's like 2014 was the year that I saw it came out. That was before Fortnite changed the game before there was cross play. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, prevalent in every game now, not every game, but, you know, it's slowly becoming more and more popular between Fortnite and Rocket League, Call of Duty uh, as games come out. True. It's more common. A game like Chivalry would have really, really benefited from that in 2014 
uh, because their diminishing player counts could have been kind of, you know, subsidized by the consoles. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. And it's not like this game, like a lot of other games. I mean, obviously a PC player is always going to have a little bit of advantage with that mouse, but in this game, it really was more skill-based than anything else. Like I said, I was using the controller the whole time and I came in third on my second playthrough. And I think just like fifth or something, my first. So, yeah, you know, at the, no offense to your skill as a gamer or mine. Well, I'm not good. (laughs) I've said it a bunch of times. We are less than competitive when it comes (laughs) to like professional gaming. Um, So a lot of people like, like to talk about, Oh, PC versus mouse or aim assist and all that kind of stuff at the level we're playing at. It doesn't make a difference. Just having fun. So yes, at the highest level, mouse and keyboard (laughs) will always be better than controller. Where we're playing, it doesn't make a difference. It's whatever you're comfortable with, you know? That's right. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I had a great time at PAX. I think you also did. I mean, it was exhausting. It and was you got exhausting. way too many Borderlands backpacks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was my this was my first convention. So I was just excited to kind of go and take it all in, just walk around and see what the what the vibe was. And it it was a little overwhelming, but it was fun. I think if we went again, just one day would be ideal so for would, me. Would, would suffice. <laughs> we made it. We made it a whole weekend. You know, we were, we stayed in the what, hotel three nights. Yeah. Maybe something like two days, one night. Yeah. Would have would have been better. Uh, so the whole weekend just felt long as much fun as I had with you. <laughs> I think I don't think there were a lot of panels as well. Yeah, we only went to the one um, the Platinum Games panel where they just talked about the wonderful 101 and like their journey to bring that back, back. Yep. Um, after, you know, it didn't do so hot on the Wii U through no fault of its own. It was just the Wii, the Wii U fault. platform. <laughs> Couldn't, you know, do anything for it. So that's exciting to be coming out on uh it's coming just switch exclusive. The wonderful one one one. Yes. I believe the remaster is just on switch, but yeah, I, that panel was cool, but I, I would hope for more like announcement panels or more like, Hey, here's how we made the game kind of things. It seemed like a lot of the panels were just kind of silly. Yeah, well, they did in that panel, they did talk about Project GG, which is coming out. Um, that announcement was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it had actually been announced the day before or you had just read it right before. The I believe panel. it was announced <laughs> the day before. Yeah. But it's just another like hero game uh, from the same guy that made Beautiful Joe and the Wonderful 101. I forgive me, but I'm spacing on his name, but we listened to him talk for 30 minutes. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah. So that was PAX. That was a fun time. Uh, we got to play a bunch of great games. Games that I'm looking forward to. Games that we'll probably, you know, talk a little bit more about once they come out. And we'll have more games to talk about in the next episode as well. I know um, we've both been playing Dreams and learn a little bit about that. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we'll talk about that or, uh, you know, you got any other games coming up that you want to talk about or anything for next week uh well we were hoping to talk about dark siders genesis but that's true we did play a little bit of that we you didn't seem as interested in it as uh as we needed you to be so we'll probably have to listen we can still the convo on that one we can still talk about it i might not be the most positive (laughs) about it but we can still talk about it yeah going forward with the show we'd like to kind of dive deeper into individual games this was more of a pax based episode just because we went to PAX. it was this big convention we just went to but we're going to try to just like dive deeper into a single game or maybe two games an episode uh yeah i don't know 
Yeah. <laughs> Change up the format a little bit. I've been threatened that if I ever say flip the page again, uh, Dave would kill me. So <laughs> can't do that anymore. <laughs> like I said, if um we need to talk about tech stuff or anything like that, Alex will still come back on the show. But, you know, we, we're hoping to put it out more frequently. This isn't the, la- the last. You're not going to see two player bros, you know, eight months from now, like we did last time. Listen, audience, I will be here once a week. If you're not getting an episode once a week, tweet Michael Butler. <laughs> He's the problem. So <laughs> on that note, this has been two player bros. Uh, I'm Mike. I'm Dave. And uh, yeah, if you want to visit us on social media, you can see us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at two player bros. Uh, we're also on two player where you can have links to all our social medias as well as um, coming soon, a link to all of our shows as episodes as well. So if they go to twoplayerbros.com, all that's there is a link to the social medias that you just listed. All the social medias and uh, and our breast spout so they can have the player and they can go through all the episodes. Okay. Okay. So there is some feature to it. There's some, there's some <laughs> stuff going there. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Do your plugs. Do your thing. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to deal with it right now. So Dave doesn't like, uh, doesn't like my plugs, but plugs are part of the game. <laughs> If you enjoy the sound of my voice, you can also hear me on Forgotten Cinema, a podcast I do with my other buddy, Mike Field, a podcast where we talk about movies that, for whatever reason, seem to have been forgotten by audiences, whether because a more popular movie came out at the same time or audience didn't simply catch on to it in its initial run. We talk about what we love about the movie or maybe what we don't love about it, as well as give a little bit about fun facts about the production, why you should revisit it and why it was forgotten in the first place. We'll give out some facts. So you can visit that on forgotten cinema podcast.com. It's all also available wherever podcasts are available as well as all over social media. And I've also got crack one open We're only halfway there. <laughs> only halfway there. I've also got crack one open. I do with my fiance, Elise, where we talk about a different craft beer or beverage. Sometimes it's wine. Every episode, a little bit about the history of the brewery or winery where it came from, a history or lesson on the beverage as well, what's in it, how it's made, what makes this one unique from the other one. We give some tasting notes and then we go into the latest pop culture news and reviews. So it's kind of like a hangout session with me and Elise where you also learn a little bit about uh, different beers or wines that fun facts you didn't know about those. So that's Crack One Open. You can listen to that uh, anywhere podcasts are available as well. And uh, I hope you guys had a great time listening to us. And that is the end of this episode. Next, next time you're doing that, you're just going to have to edit in the sound of a door <laughs> closing as I walk away. <laughs>